Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. Today I'm joined by Andy Watts from Odigo and maybe this is for another podcast but we will talk girls football and snoring dogs but Andy we're going to stick to stuff about the contact centre industry. Well, well we'll see how we get on but thanks very much for joining me. Absolute pleasure, good to be here. Yeah, you too. And let's start with, I think you mentioned when we were talking before Hit and Record about how coming to Odigo was really through someone you know personally, but also this kind of attraction to technology. And it's often overlooked in our industry, but that's kind of how you got into this industry, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, quite right. I had absolutely zero in terms of experience in, in the contact centre sector, for sure. Just watching the the evolution, I guess, of the technology that supports contact centres. I, I had a period in my career where I was looking at a conversational AI, natural language, and obviously the explosion of that within the contact centre in terms of omni-channel and, and the, you know, the enhancement or increasing use of digital channels was really, really interesting to me for sure. So I've got a kind of personal opinion that it's probably, the, I think, the most exciting area of, of CX just because of that rapid adoption of digital channels and, and the opportunity that then, I think, gives organisations to, to do something different. Right. And I think, you know, we've, we're starting to, to really develop true high value interactions and high value or, or high perceived value customer experiences through the use of conversational AI. So, yeah, there's my intro to, to this industry sector. I love it. And you mentioned there something and for it would help me and I'm sure lots of listeners. Is there a distinction then between conversational AI and natural language. You mentioned two as if they're separate terms. One, one really powers the other, I think. So it's, it's, it's terminology more than anything for me. I think, obviously, let's not lose sight of the AI bit. So natural language, I don't know if, you, if you've ever researched it or, or looked at how that's kind of built up, but essentially you have some phenomenally smart people that kind of sit between the world of development so they're able to code and all that kind of stuff, but they're also absolute masters of language. So when you, you combine those two things in a, in a single individual, you get brilliance, right? So these, these people can build kind of language libraries or language sets that use natural language. So all our terminology, all our throwaway slang, all those kind of things that we just take for granted in terms of the way that we speak versus that old school kind of command and control type choppy language on, off, up, down, left, right, you know, it's not that anymore. It's, this is proper dialogue interaction. So they call computational linguists, right? And they are just stratospherically bright and smart and you know, insanely good at what they do. I think, you know, I've, I've met people that have kind of, you know, become speakers in a foreign tongue in months. It's just unbelievable, it's mind blowing. So that's the kind of natural language bit, that's the basis. And then I think you overplay that with, with platforms that people have built and developed around the kind of algorithms and business rules that kind of replicate AI. So those two combinations give you that conversational AI capability. And do they, are, are both these things then, in your opinion, kind of, is was the precursor to this speech analytics and this is the next generation or do the two still run alongside each other? Yeah, so I think analytics is, is, is still happening, right? Because essentially what's hap 
what you're doing is you're taking speech and creating text. So that kind of TTS bit, text to speech and then speech to text back, absolutely still, still happens because computer systems work in that kind of text language, right? So we, you, you need to have that, that, that kind of part of analytics happening for sure. And I think there's a, there's a kind of, then a sort of next stage to that, I guess, in, in terms of what do you do with that data once you've got it? So it's all very well, you know, having the speech converted to text, now do something and do something cool with it is, is what I think most organizations are, are trying to do. So there's that, that real time, I guess, analysis of that conversation. And the systems have got so sophisticated now that you're able to drill into, so, you know, historically we probably understand the content. So, you know, you're able to derive what's actually happening within that. And that's great for retrospective analysis. You know, mm. tell me how many times a customer in the last month has said, I'm leaving, going to competitor X. So that kind of bulk analytics can happen from that text-to-speech stuff. But real time, you, you know, you need to start to interpret not only the content, but the context. So what's happening around that conversation. And now we're able to, you know, analyze sentiment. So really getting into the, you know, the, the bones of that conversation and understanding the intent and the sentiment is, is just massive because that then can drive lots of behavior from a system standpoint in terms of how you engage with that customer. And that, and you're basically saying then if you bring in all of those things together, this then takes it from that retrospective analysis to in the moment live stuff. How, how is that, how does that then benefit your operations, your contact center in the moment? So I think there's there's a there's a number of factors. So let's let's if we leave the contact center in terms of the physical contact center mm. out for just a second. Think about that kind of customer interaction with you know, people use the term bots or or whatever. We, I kind of I like that kind of. There was a period, wasn't there, where we were talking about virtual agents and things like that, kind of almost giving them a personality or giving them a, an identity, which I think is really quite cool. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute because I think. That's, a, that's an opportunity, I think, for organisations too, to start to create you know, more than bots, you know, virtual mm. agents are, are a thing, particularly as you get more personalised. But yeah, if you take, take the, the contact centre aside for just a minute and just think about that, that human to system interaction, because obviously there's benefit there in terms of you know, the, the, the types of the, the speed, I suppose the, the first call resolution, the deflection, and all those kind of things that you want to see in terms of impact on the contact center. But but the improvement of the CX is is, the, is there as well. So I think if there's an opportunity for us to use that that kind of, and this goes back to making sure that we have systems that are fully orchestrated and very tied together, because none of this could happen if that if that wasn't the case. Mm. So if you imagine a customer calling in talking to a virtual agent and that virtual agent having almost exactly the same access to the same systems that a real agent would have. You know, we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort as I've worked out in the last 12 months, building dashboards and building, you know, the single pane of glass as people term it for your agents to get access to all of that historical and real time data on a customer as they're calling in to be proactive and so on. Well, why shouldn't the virtual agent have access? So, you know, they can, it can, use the same facilities or the same same data set that a real agent has access to. 
And you would hope then that as long as those kind of processes are in place, the business was right in terms of that kind of you know, AI, you're able to just go through that process. So, so I think over time we'll see adoption of, I'll keep calling them virtual assistants, or virtual assistants that get more and more intelligent, get more and more capable and take on more complex challenges in terms of those interactions with their customers that may even persist over days or weeks. Mm. Um, and the advantage of that, I think, is that you'll get a kind of common approach to that customer engagement. You'll get, I think, a kind of sense or, or a sentiment of, of continuity. You know, there's probably nothing worse than me having an interaction with an agent, one is called back the next day and it's somebody else. Or, you know, that person's now off shift and somebody else is on shift and you kind of lost that, that human touch. Well, you know, you can mm. replicate that in, a, in an, a virtual agent by having absolutely consistent voice, content, sentiment. Mm. And I think, we, you know, there's another untapped thought there. Actually, it's just entered my head. I do this, I meander, right? Hey, this is a perfect <laughs> conversation for that. A couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. So customer vulnerability, right? Big news, isn't it? Huge, huge news. And... People are really thinking about how they can better wrap their arms around their vulnerable customers because it's important, not only from mm. a customer retention point of view, but it's a, it's just a good thing to do from a from a customer to you know supplier relationship point of view. And you know if you want to really um, embody good customer service, good customer experience, you've got to be doing it. But when you take that into the digital world, it's kind of tough. I you know I have an opinion that. And there shouldn't be any boundaries to this, right, in terms of our thinking around what we can do with virtual agents. But imagine a scenario where, you know, I've got that backup data that says, you know, I'm a financial services company. My customers in overdraft, they're missing payments. They've got outstanding credit. You know, they, they, they could be in a vulnerable mm. situation. At the point at which that customer makes a call in, would I want, a virtual agent to be that happy buzzy hey eddie good morning how you doing you know kind of voice or would i want to create an environment that's you know softer more comforting more steady more stable just to bring them through that channel in a really sophisticated and caring way so i think those are all the things that should be and could be possible with a virtual agent i think given the right data real time and the kind of analytics and ai that goes along with it the combination of those factors that make any sense at all <laughs> yes it did and i want to i want to take you back to something that i think definitely peaked you know made me think oh yeah that's a really good point is this the the concept of orchestration so whether it is for when it gets through the cx journey to an agent and we're saying agent human agents now are going to be dealing with more more complex stuff so you need to give them access to all the right data and ideally in one system so they're not having to operate let's be honest i think the average is about five different systems so they're navigating across all of those something you said was getting that orchestration right getting everything tied together is the best way of seeing what's the best that conversational ai and this type of technology can can give because do you see that quite often then that it's not fully orchestrated it's not tied together and then people might go well it's not done what i thought it would because you don't yet you you haven't gone through that process of pulling everything together yeah yeah i mean 
I think we've all we've all experienced it. And, you know, fortunately for some of us, we've been on the, the kind of inside of the contact centre as well. So seen it in, in, in real life. And I guess there's that, you know, there's that time when we've called through to a contact centre and, and the agent says, hey, sorry, I'm just, my system's a bit slow. Um, I'm just waiting for something to like, well, actually, they're probably ferreting around in five, as you say, five different systems, trying to find the right information, swivel chairing or screen swapping or whatever those terms that everybody uses. But it's a real problem for sure. I think it slows down the ability for that agent to engage the customer because they're concentrating on other things. They're not in that conversation, are they? They're just, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're in sort of search mode. So I think that, you know, the conversation could feel disjointed could feel choppy but there's also a kind of I guess you know not that I've, I've come from that background you know I've never been a, a contact center agent as, as many of my colleagues have because they've come through the industry there's a frustration there I think as well in terms of you know that agent's ability to deliver a good service because everybody wants to be proud of the work they do right so there's an impact there too so yeah for sure I think there is is there is a legacy in a lot of the enterprise customers that I talk to around that problem of accessing data from multiple systems presenting that in a in a usable way in a single environment in real time proactively because that's kind of, you know, rather than constantly clicking around and searching you want the systems to drive this stuff so yeah orchestration is all important i think and and you know it's doable for sure you know there's a, I, I imagine there's still a handful of organizations out there that will have some real legacy you know mainframe green screen that kind of stuff but that's that's not unsurmountable either so you know there's there's ways and means at which you can access that data and dig it out and benefit the lives of the customer as well as the agent mm. it's nice that you sort of start with um looking at this from a cx point of view before we then talk about the operational impact but from a from a cx point of view through the use of this technology then you're better able to and let's be honest we're all customers customers aren't we and I think we all want when we are making contact with companies that they know who we are that it's going to be it's going to resolve whatever the query is that I'm calling for or chatting for that it's going to be done as efficiently and as smoothly as possible and that I get some confirmation and I'm and I'm confident and trust that the the action is going to take place and it's through the deployment of this technology that you're seeing real gains in 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 that world who for the people that are doing it right how how do they do they do this thing where they map out the cx journey and then go right here's how we're going to deploy the technology where do you start so yeah so <clears throat> customer journey mapping has got to be the kind of the, the, the baseline that's where you start and i think you know organizations need to understand their, their customers as well so, you know, there's there's nothing to say you couldn't take a subset of your customers and actually talk to them. You know, what do you enjoy? What don't you enjoy? And actually think about marrying those two things together in terms of the way in which you're going to engage with them in the future. But, there, you know, there is a steady drive towards digital channels as we all change as individuals and our uses of these kind of things. Right. So, you know, we've all got our mobile phones in our hands. My kids are like, like that, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't think about, I'm sure, picking up a phone and speaking to somebody. My God, that would be weird, I'm sure, for them, right? <laughs> but, but I think as you get more sophisticated in your ability to deliver those, you know, exceptional interactions with your customers via a digital channel, whether that's a virtual agent or not, you're going to absolutely step change your, I think, 
differentiation in the market because people will recognize that as being a good service. So I think those organizations that adopt this type of technology, think about conversational AI and, and how it can be deployed will absolutely stand out in their in their sectors for sure. I think it's going to be a key differentiator in the market because you know you're in, you're improving the service that you're providing, you're understanding those journeys in detail, potentially increasing loyalty. Most organizations just kind of want to do three things, don't they? They want to retain the customer they've got, want to attract new customers in, and then maximize what they get from those customers while they've got them, right? So upsell, cross-sell opportunities. So those kind of things can all be delivered through an automated engagement for sure. So yeah, I think I think it's a, it should be a, a big differentiator. And I, Going back to that point I, I kind of hinted at in terms of giving, I think, your, your virtual agents a personality, I think also goes down the road of kind of improve, they can become brand ambassadors, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine that, you know, a virtual agent on a website could really make a difference to virtual agents I'd seen on a website, which was, some of the guys watching this will probably laugh, Ask Anna which was the Ikea website. And they went down the road. It was almost like a pilot, really, trial. So rather than having a semantic search at the top, you know, little box, I need screws or I need a wardrobe, Anna was there and you could have a proper interaction, conversation. And the hit rate was phenomenal, actually. So the, the ability to identify the right products, surface those products, service associated products in terms of a potential upsell was, was, was really quite successful. I think way before its time. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there is a there is an opportunity, and, and of course it's going to be down to the organisation and their own kind of go to market strategy. It won't suit all of them for sure, but I think many they, you know, there's some advantages to doing it. And they can do it based on analysis of the data of how their customers interact. So it's not that you're going right. Well, what what's the voice of this virtual assistant going to be? Going to, how, how should we pitch it? You're going to be basing it on, you'd like to think, a, a lot of data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think you know, people use the term hyper-personalization. And I guess there's all different interpretations of, of what that may or may not mean to, to you. But for me, it's kind of, it's almost predictive and contextual interaction on a one-to-one. -one. So if I only had one customer, I could be pretty personalized, right? So that would suggest that it's just a numbers game. So the problem is size and scale versus our ability to interact on a one-to-one -one basis. So what we need to do, I guess, is just distill that down that says, okay, what are those things that we can do outside of having the constraints of real people? Because we can't have 2 million people sitting in a contact center wouldn't be cost effective, but we could definitely deliver the one-to-one -one service for our banking customers. Funny enough, I've got 2 million of them. So, so how do we do that? And I think that the, you know, the emergence or the, sorry, the, the extension of this type of technology will give organizations the, the opportunity to really start to hyper-personalize or even to extend that, you know, by, by saying, I've got precise alignment to that customer. So yeah, it, you know, we could have different voiced agents, virtual agents per, per customer, just because we know their likes and dislikes and their, their current situation. I think, you know, we, you know, a 17 year old, 18 year old opening a new account 
that's all online and all digital would probably want to engage with a virtual assistant that had a totally different tone and an appearance than, than probably me, who's been a regular customer for 30 plus years <laughs> and still wanders into a branch every now and again. But I just, check just, for, just for old time's sake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, the, so there's the impact on customer experience. And then this, the deployment of this technology and the impact on enabling your, the, the human team members to take better actions. How, how do you see, how have you seen that work? So again, I think, I think that's um, about being able to give that real agent the best opportunity to deliver phenomenal CX to that customer. And what does that, what does that boil down to? What it boils down to is making sure that at the point at which they start that interaction, physical interaction with a you know, human to human, everything's there for them. So me as a customer feel like you, you, you're mine. You know, you've done all your homework, you've done all your, you know exactly what I'm here for and you're ready to help me. And from an agent standpoint, everything's there to enable that agent to have the best chance of taking that conversation forward to a successful conclusion. And I think that kind of filtration up front where we're able to ha have that customer self-service possible. And if not, close that call out with, as you rightly say, that kind of closed loop that says, I've taken the action. I'm gonna send you email confirmation. I can't do what you need me to do today. Do you want me to pass it on to an agent, confirm that back to you and close the call? No email. Or do you want me to pass you up to an agent right now? Yeah, we're all busy people. Maybe I don't want to sit in another queue or I don't want to, to hang on for an agent. But I think there's that opportunity to do that filtration really cleanly. And then if it is a, an inbound call, make sure that that agent is 100% aware of what's happening. And then when it gets to the agent, is this where next best action comes into play? Yeah, that's, that's quite that's quite interesting, I think, because, you know, we hear a lot about that. And I think, you know, next next best action really is is the analysis of that conversation, the interpretation of that conversation, typically then sourcing of data from knowledge bases. So you'll have a, some organizations have knowledge management systems, others back end systems just with raw data and then you're surfacing that data as an next best action for your agent that's a brilliant initiative right because you know and, and symptomatic the problems within contact centers you know it's a high churn typically attrition's a, a problem so you've got constantly new joiners who are at different levels of, of understanding different levels of experience so next best action is really important to be able to guide them and advise them as to, to what best to do and i wonder that that in, in and that's so that's using that same analysis that we've spoken about, right? So it's taking the content of that human to human speech conversation interaction, mm. creating text from that, doing something with it in terms of the analysis, building up that content context sentiment. Then we have you know to go be our kind of little rev counters that's kind of giving the sentiment of that call from green to red, so you know that. It's drifting into a negative situation. Maybe your next next action could be something different. It would be if it was in green, because you're trying to you know overcome some challenges or some potential problems. But I, I, I wonder in time, um, would we get to a point that 
we're offering our customers a kind of virtual agent, a digital assistant. Maybe we could do the same for the agents too, right? So you have a, for want of a better term, like a Siri for every agent who's constantly looking at what they're doing and helping them. And that may come down to, you know, next best action, proactively finding information where they seem to continually have deficiencies in their own knowledge. So starting to proactively feed them them data and information to, I think, you know, as, as, as nice as it might be, you know, some, some contact centers are in pretty big environments, right? So you'll have agents that are taking very, very challenging calls where they, they have an impact, right? And, and if mm-hmm. those individuals are sitting in a contact center, maybe a team leader can put an arm around somebody and say, hey, that was a really tough call, go and get a coffee or something. Well, you know, when I'm sitting at home on my own, working in a hybrid model or even fully remotely, who's doing that? Wouldn't it be great, I think, if we had a kind of maybe a virtual assistant or, or something proactively monitoring me, understanding the, the content and sentiment and context of that call I've just had and saying to me, hey, look, take a break. That was tough. You know, mm-hmm. you need to go and give yourself five minutes, go and have a walk, get a cup of coffee, come back even go as far as saying i've just kicked you out of the workforce management system for five minute break right <laughs> yeah let's do it because those kind of things again it's not this is not rocket science right we could we could manipulate all of those systems to do that kind of thing you just need to join them and i think that would just you know engender in, in some kind of comfort support into a remote workforce that maybe they don't get to get today and whether whether that just ticked your attrition by 0.5 percent or something right could be a big impact I think it also, thinking back to my own experiences, that would give me real comfort and faith in in the the technologies being used to support me as well as the customers. So it isn't just something that I have to kind of wrestle with, like a rodeo. You know, I've got to tame this beast that we've been given. This would be something that is is there to help me in, in more ways than in more ways than one, and especially. I remember back in the day, there was always this kind of desire to chase or, to, you know, desire to limit the training time you gave people because you could just plug people in and the systems would would help them. And invariably at the time, I'm talking many years ago, but at the time it it wasn't there. The technology wasn't there to be able to enable you to, to do that. But now with conversational AI, all this, the access to how we have data, sentiment, you should be able then to take all of that, support team members in the moment, but also use it to develop better knowledge systems, better inductions, better better training based on real life kind of examples at a big, big sort of data level. Yeah, for sure. And and that kind of self-learning, is real right that so that happens within you know I, I spoke about the build of those language libraries up front mm. so those computational linguists that are just geniuses pulling this stuff together you know they're constantly evolving and growing though because new terminology comes out and i think another advancement really is those industry aligned language sets as well because the kind of terminology and the language you would use maybe in you know a mortgage application that you're automating mm. versus I'm phoning up my healthcare provider because I need emergency treatment, right? Those are two very different 
mm. scenarios, but very different sectors with lots of different terminology and the kind of language you use is, is wholly different. So you'll find that the providers of that conversational AI platforms will either specialize in particular areas or they've gone away and built those. So that's a real step forward in terms of the kind of padding out of those sets, but they're constantly evolving. They're constantly adding to, and similarly, you know, you've got your, we all know them, right? You've got your best agent in the whole team who everybody goes to because they know everything. And that tacit knowledge makes them really, really important and really, really useful. How do you suck all that out and put that in a knowledge base behind the scenes so that everybody can access it when they're not around to go and tap on the shoulder and say, hey, what do I do here? That's, I guess, the challenge. But we can do that in a kind of semi-automated or fully automated way by just analysing all the data of those calls and seeing what works and what doesn't. Mm. because we'll know when there's been a you know a challenge overcome and then you just make that part of the, the knowledge base if i was heading up a contact center and i'm listening to this thinking oh this sounds this sounds brilliant utopia <laughs> <laughs> this sounds great what's he been smoking it's <laughs> early in the morning but so I, i'm listening to this thinking oh this this sounds great do so I, w- I would come to you and say, I-, I want this. And you go, yeah, fine. We can we can work with the kit you've already got. We can give you a new kit. We can orchestrate it and bring it all together. Does it need, though, does it need pilots? Does it need experts in-house to, 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 to be doing all this kind of tink- like analysis and course correction? And do you need, or can you upskill the people people you've got in-house is this too vague a question do you know what i mean okay, yeah i think so. so so are you sort of saying can you can you learn from the people that you have within the contact center to to kind of grow these systems out or do you need systems administrators to go away and do this kind of offline yeah. i think it's a bit of both really so the build you definitely want some champions who live and breathe that contact center understand those customer journeys understand those challenges, understand the constraints of the systems that exist today, the kind of 2B picture, so that when you're, sorry, the the as-is picture, so when you're planning the 2B picture, you're able to really understand those current limitations and so on. And that's from an operational standpoint, let alone a kind of technology standpoint. That's when you're into the IT teams, you're tapping Mm. their brains to say, you know, how open are these systems? How do you interact with them? How do you integrate? interoperate with them and so on so yeah there's that but this is you know, again this is not something that's new big si companies have been doing for for years so they're they're, they're experts in in getting two different disparate systems to communicate by one mechanism or another and that's kind of quite commonplace so i mm. think that the, the important bit is that operational understanding and then i think as you go forward you would hope your system has enough intelligence within it to at least flag and call out those interactions where there's been something new or something that was a challenge. And whether that's an an agent flagging that or whether the system's flagging that, then that needs to get siphoned off and managed into a knowledge base correctly. And all that kind of tags and things like that, so you know when to reuse it and so on. Mm, mm. You know, this this isn't yeah in in the distant future. This kind of real world. In this sort of time of year, naturally makes you think about the the, the forthcoming year, the year ahead. 
And from your position then, and it's obvious that this, you love this sort of stuff, but when you look ahead to what's coming next year, maybe the year after, what's the, what part of it excites you the most? I think, I think what's going to be really, well, the adoption of it first, right? So seeing it in real world scenarios, I think is, is going to be really exciting. So just in seeing those organisations that I think, I, I would predict make a step change to their, you know, their, their visibility in the sector by adopting these kind of next generation technologies. If it's if that's even a thing, because they're kind of real world now, right? But they are evolving, and at and at speed, the capabilities and and the ability to deliver real quality CX in complex situations is is really advancing. So I think what's going to be really exciting for me is to see it deployed, see it live, and see it working and see who those challenger organisations are that are out there promoting it and, and being able to, to interact with it and engage with it. But, you know, I just want, I would love to have more conversations about it, you know. So I'm so lucky enough to, to view a number of forums where these kind of things are debated and discussed. I've been to a few events where, you know, you sit down with people that just get this whole kind of conversational AI and can see those those areas, those kind of niche areas will, will, will make a massive change to people's lives for sure. And that's not only, you know, the, the simple stuff around just improving a, a customer's journey into you. So rather than that, press one for this, press two for that, you know, let's have a proper conversation. What are you trying to do? What do you want to do? Um, sorry, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat yourself? <laughs> let's you know let's let's do something that's actually got some got some meat on its bones and does a job but yeah I, I i just think that whole kind of improvement is gonna it's gonna excite me for sure just seeing it, it evolve and happen and be part of it and you mentioned earlier just how you can envisage a time or it is a time right now where companies can differentiate themselves and get a leap on their competitors but also how they're how they're perceived by by customers, by the adoption and real focus on this area. And I think there's untold reports and surveys, isn't there, that says right now, if you wanna, if you want to secure your future and deliver excellence, it's through it's through focusing on your CX. Yeah, and I think it's you know, it's just more choice. You know, it, consumer de demand will dictate the way in which we operate and the channels that we offer to them mm. and if our customers are saying i want to interact with you digitally we really want to make that exceptional you know it can't be the norm it can't be clunky and difficult mm. it has to just be seamless it has to feel one-to-one -one. it has to feel simple intuitive it has to feel digital so I think those organisations that take that kind of mindset and really open up, I guess, really kind of channels, digital channels that incorporate this type of technology as an option for their customers with all of those kind of added value elements that you would get from a human to human interaction as best as you can. So understanding that, you know, the customer, thinking about things like inclusivity, thinking about things like where that customer is on their journey with you, understanding their kind of needs, being empathetic. You know, it's all those kind of human traits that we've got to kind of build it to make it, make it work. 
and not mm. feel like it's something different and something what's the word I'm looking for it's something that's just not natural mm. and we're talking natural language aren't we so yeah that's kind of kind of important you can pick up cultural intelligence as well right you mentioned inclusivity and the just the the wide demographics of customers that we that we deal with the technologies there that is kind of sensitive to that yeah absolutely I, th I think you know whether a customer has made preferences already that we're able to access and understand and, and play back but if not we need to to be almost that of the potential for for someone not feeling included right so it's, mm -hmm. it's being able to create a virtual interaction the same way as you would do a human to human interaction in terms of just having that level of awareness until you've understood that customer's own preferences i guess if i'm still wearing my hat of heading up a contact center or being responsible for the cx element and we don't have this in place, is the fact that it's not on-premises technology mean that it's it's not as prohibitive as maybe it, it was perceived to be from a cost point of view? Yes, I, I, um, <clears throat> I think there's a, a marketplace now within Cloud Contact Center that has leveled um, a kind of commercial Mm. landscape that would suggest to me that if if an organization is still running legacy systems on-prem then the missed opportunity plus the cost of those systems far outweighs the cost of change mm. so there is absolute business benefit hard power notes in moving to the cloud and adopting new technologies for sure because you know the 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 cost of legacy systems in terms of maintenance and, and cost to change, to adapt, to reconfigure, to bolt on, it's all hard and difficult. That that kind of legacy overhead is significant. I think when you you, know, you tally the numbers together, it's, it's it could be quite telling really for some organisations as to, to what the true cost is to them in terms of total cost of ownership or however you want to phrase it, of those older on-prem systems and the advantages of moving to the cloud are real. And you'll find that modern, you know, modern cloud native applications typically are very open. They're very connectable. So organizations are able then to make really sensible choices around best of breed. Because I think, you know, I work for an organization that sells CCAS, right? <laughs> so you think I want to put my arms around everything. But that's absolutely not the case. There, there are scenarios and there are many where you want to build an ecosystem of technology that absolutely aligns to your business requirements versus a one size fits all. So, yeah, I would challenge uh, any organization or, or, or any other to say, you know, show me your capability to, to utilize those best of breed providers to come together as a as a technical solution to, to my, my business needs, because that gives you then greater choice, greater commercial flexibility and a far enhanced solution. Mm. And that's reassuring, that's reassuring to hear actually, because it's about, it's about the solution rather than just saying, here is everything we have, you need, you need all of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think I'm sure, you know, organizations that are going through that cloud transformation, which, are, which, you know, is very, I think, wholly re required in terms of the, the, this, 
the kind of direction of of this you know this industry sector for sure and i think there's a you know, people have done countless i think calculations around what that legacy debt looks like what that legacy tco looks like so that's i think available data people you, know, you should be able to go and find that for sure or utilize organizations like Edgar to come in and do some consultancy to understand and map and model what that true legacy cost is then think about cloud native and think about that transition but yeah i i i would caution anybody in a kind of procurement cycle where a one-size-fits-all model is being suggested because mm. not only you just you know you're, you're tied into that development path and development route of that single organization and you're you know you're aligning to their roadmap rather than yours you know you need to understand how flexible that's going to be over the course of the next kind of three five 10 years, however long you think that, that investment period is going to be with that particular vendor. Because if it were my money, I'd want to make sure that I have the maximum amount of flexibility, the best commercial deal with the best of breed in terms of the solution. Andy, this has been brilliant. And you you obviously know your stuff for... <laughs> Not quite an anorak, but I do you know, I, I, just, I just love this stuff, yeah. For people that want to carry on the conversation with you, how, how can they get in touch? Yeah, email it. So it's andy.watts at odigo.com. Really simple. Andy, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to hear. And it's just, it's reassuring to hear somebody talk about how, how best to put stuff together in a way that is about them and their outcomes, rather than just here's all of our stuff. And it's all brilliant. So thank you very much. And it's, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure for me too. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't already, please do subscribe. For all of my other content, go to getoutofrap.com. If you would like a transcript of this episode with all the key points summarized, all you need to do is drop me an email at martin at getoutofrap.com. Thanks very much.